That's right here. Yeah, I'm looking to make it a little lighter. <laughs> Are we mutually aligned oh, right now? Oh, my goodness. Uh, there's, there's always, always two you. versions. <laughs> I mean, you're moving a little slow, but... Working I, I, really a- hard. <laughs> we'll definitely talk about that later. <laughs> Love your Welcome to the Love Work Podcast. This is my amazing partner and co-host, Andre Schinnebarger, with me. Oh, but you're not going to intro. And this is Jeff Schinnebarger, my lovely partner. Oh, wow. Partner in crime. Lovely? Is that what you think of me? Hottie. Hey. Handsome. Now we're getting somewhere. Cute. Hmm. I don't know. Does that count? That, that doesn't sound like you actually believe what you just said, but we'll, <laughs> I'll take it. Up with words. I'm going to take the words of affirmation. And I'm going to run with it and I'm going to throw it right As back you at should. you with this episode we have. It's an all out Q&A with our friend Lori Watson, sex therapist from the podcast Foreplay Radio. And um, But before we get to that, I wanted to ask you a question and I wanted you to tell a story to our friends and listeners and all the people that join us in this work. About sex. Oh boy. And you gonna ask me? that was a funny setup. Well, so we wrote this book together that came out just oh, a year yes. ago. Yes. And we have a chapter that's all about sex, right? Yeah, it's actually all about my sex problems. <laughs> uh, it's really, I was, I was pretty vulnerable about a lot of the sex problems that we had in the beginning and I had specifically myself. And so I hope that you will buy the book or listen to the book on audio and hear about it because I'm not going to go back into it again. But what's interesting, the book is called Love or Work and you can find it wherever you buy books. But, but more importantly than that, what I'm, yeah, yeah. what I'm trying to ask you is what was interesting when we started talking about the book, we started doing interviews uh, yeah. with people all over the nation about it. Nobody and, wants to talk about chapter nine. Well, so, but they do. Yes. Right. So I which is which, not on air. So let's tell people what happened. Yeah. This happened 10, 20 times. Yes. So when we were promoting the book last year a lot and talking about our book, it was very common that during the whole interview, not one mention would be named about the sex chapter throughout the whole on air interviews. And then as soon as we got offline, they'd be like, that's great. And now I would really want to ask you about chapter nine because there's a few questions and it really meant something to me and I was really impacted by it. But yeah, but nobody wants to talk about it on air. Right. They would like stop the recording. But before we got off, they'd want to have this personal conversation with us about Sex. this topic. Yes. Which is just, I, as I step back and I've thought about it, Multiple times, it's like, wow, isn't this like a micro story of the bigger story, which is everybody wants to talk about it, but no one wants to say they want to talk about it. So they'll listen to a podcast secretly about it or they'll whatever. And that might be you listening right now. That might be you right now. But here's, here's the deal. We want you to have someone in your life that you can talk about these very personal things with it. It will make things better. Yes. And even just questions. I mean, even if you're scared to talk about maybe what might be personally happening with you and your partner, even asking maybe somebody that you trust and that you love, a friend or whatever, about what they are doing or what their, you know, experience has been or how in those ways it, it might doesn't, it open doesn't have things to, up. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be weird. 
I think, doesn't. It I think, doesn't. You're I think right. Because we don't talk about it, we think, oh, this is going to be weird. It's going to be inappropriate. It's going to be too personal. And it's like, actually, your best friend probably wants to talk to you about it, but they just don't know how to bring it up either. Yes. So just open that door. <laughs> so anyway, so this whole podcast today is all the questions. From oh our date my night, goodness. From our date night together with Lori Watson, people could anonymously text in questions. Yeah, there was one question that was a friend of mine that asked very specifically, wanted me to ask some questions. But yeah, that was a little that bit was, embarrassing. That was not me. It was just, I was, remember that one part where I was a friend, asking right? for a friend? Yeah. It was a great, it was really important. Oh, yeah. 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 So listen up for that. You'll hear that. You'll hear that. And I think you're going to enjoy this because we all have questions. We all have questions. Yeah. That was one of the things that kind of prior to this date night I asked on Instagram is how many people still have questions about sex that are just unanswered that you don't Mm. know about. And it was like way over 60% of people. So... Yeah, and I would say, if you don't follow us on Instagram, we are at Work. And if there's more questions you have, please message us because we can ask Lori. And I bet she would be happy to respond yeah, to Yeah, we us. are not the sex therapist. No, but we no. can get that to her. She will talk about anything. <laughs> anything and everything. I got embarrassed a couple times. Yeah. But... You work through it. You're good. <laughs> We're all good. All right, let's get to the Q&A. They don't want to hear us. They want to hear Lori. Yeah. Here she is, Lori Watson. Lori, why don't you join us? We have questions now. This is where we... This is where we get down and dirty. We, wow, really? I don't know. I'm just saying it. Okay, let's start with a super, um, probably the most common question that you get, okay. I'm sure, as a sex therapist. And it is the question that I think I've, we even asked you on our podcast, but what is the, what you would consider normal amount of sex that couples should have? So I'm going to disappoint every sexual pursuer here, but I would say that people would not be coming to see me if they were having sex twice a week. I, I don't know that that's normal. I don't know that that's even happy. But I would say that if they were having a quickie on Wednesday and a longie on the weekend, it would keep them out of a sex therapist's office. So I, More about quality than quantity a little bit too, I, right? I mean, I think that the, the time that they relax and really have some space to make love on the weekend so that there's connection, there's eroticism, there's a bit of planning, you know, and there's space that's made for intimacy. That goes a long way in a sexual pursuer's heart, and it goes a long way in a female body, because it's like, okay, I have time to relax. And then I think staving off the, you know, like, I'm I'm getting angry because I haven't had sex enough, you know, so that there's a midweek quickie, that helps. That's, that's not, that is probably average. Um, and I think that it's not necessarily happy. So I know you may want sex more than that, or that may feel like drowning to you. But it's basically an hour's worth of time. 45 minutes on the weekend, 
and 15 minutes on a weekday. It's an hour's worth of time. I had a, a woman, she worked out, clearly. She was hot as shit and fit. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, um, how often do you work out? And she's, you know, she started counting it up. It's like, well, you know, I, I have tennis twice a week and I do aerobics three times a week and there's a personal trainer two weeks. And she said, and the guy said, you know, and, you know, there's the tennis coach on Saturday and there's this and, you know, and it was an 11 hours worth of work of working out. And I said to her, what's important to you here? She said, you know, I never want sex. He always wants sex. And I said, okay, what would your life be like? She's like, we, we get along great, actually. The only thing we fight about is sex. I said, what would life be like if you stopped fighting about sex? And she said, it'd be a 10. We would be at a 10. We would be that happy. And I said, could we take one of those 11 hours and change it for sex? Just one. 45 minutes on the weekend and 15 minutes here, and we are good. And the guy's like, I only wanted one. I only wanted the 45-minute one. I'd give up the 15-minute one. I'd be very happy with just once a week. So, okay. Okay, well, let's keep going. We have a, a bunch of questions Lots here. Lots of questions. Oh, sorry. Lots if of you questions. you are a sexual withdrawer, how do you make sex a priority without it feeling forced? If you are a sexual withdrawer, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's fine to start from a position of love. Most sexual withdrawers don't necessarily start from a position of desire. That can be very disappointing to your sexually pursuing partner. But if you're saying, you know what, I, I want our life to be better. So starting from basically how do I find time for it? Scheduled sex, nobody wants scheduled sex. That's what they say. But the reality is when we were dating, we had scheduled sex. We put all that time and energy into the date. That was scheduled sex. So do that. Get yourself what you need. You know what? I need a day off with you, you know, once a month. We're going to go away. We're going to spend the night in a hotel. Hotels are a lot cheaper than sex therapists. They really $300 an hour and $500 on an intensive an hour. Sex therapists are expensive, and if you just spent once a month at a hotel overnight, cheaper than sex therapy. That, that will be tweeted tonight by someone. Okay. That's great. Okay, what do you got, babe? Um, there's a lot more kind of questions about, like, sexual withdrawal and pursuer. Like, can you have two, two withdrawers together or two pursuers together? Is that a possibility? Everybody's fantasy is two pursuers together. <laughs> but yes. then one pursuer yes. being more than the other? Or yeah. like, is there, is, there, is there a possibility that that happens or is that generally not the case? So two, two withdrawers does happen. Both people are anxious for many different reasons. And so sex stops being initiated, and they come into a sexless state. Many people heal from a sexless state. I had somebody yesterday tell me that they had been sexless for 10 years, listened to our podcast, and had been having regular sex for four months, and they were both happy. It, it broke my heart. I was like, okay, that's worth it. Because uh, we, we actually put a lot of energy into the podcast. <laughs> and, and don't get to hear those kinds of things. Um, but yes, sexually withdrawing is possible. So is two sexual, so, so is two emotional withdrawers. Two people who marry, who learn that conflict is dangerous and difficult. And so both of them, you know, basically 
pull apart. The problem with too emotional withdrawers is usually it does result in sexlessness because sex requires some spark, you know, flint and steel. Actually, that spark is good for our sex life, so we have to be willing to have conflict. We just have to learn to have conflict in ways that make it safe for our partner. Um, so, yes, two sexual withdrawers, very possible. Two anxious people, absolutely. Get help sooner than later. Hmm. Um, all right, we're going to move over into a different kind of category. So um, a couple of different questions. One was like uh, feeling very squeamish or ticklish or sensitive with oral sex. Is there ways to overcome that? Is there Great ways to, to get past that feeling of... So, so oftentimes ticklishness in oral sex is actually oral sex that is happening too early. Because the person is not yet sunk into that deep their body, into their body, into and and oftentimes men learn, you know, oral sex works on a woman. Let's do that, and so he goes down too early, starts off the encounter that way before she can feel it, before it feels good to her. So it's like, oh, yeah, well that's nice, but it's not getting me anywhere. It's like because she's not ready. Oral sex for women feels really good right about before orgasm, 35 minutes. Her body is now in the sexual mode. She's relaxed. She's starting to be engorged. Lubrication is an erratic sign about where a woman is at. She could be lying on her back and not be lubricated but feel aroused. She could be very lubricated and not subjectively feel aroused. It's just erratic. The only way you know where a woman is at is ask her. You know, are you ready for this? Can we do this yet? Is, would this feel good? You know, and, and that's the only way to really know. But ticklishness, any kind of touching that is ticklish is really indicative of anxiety and a lack of arousal. It usually goes away when arousal is deeper. Mm. Kind of on the same line as like kissing. So somebody kind of questioned about this idea that they kissing has never been something that is causing arousal or stimulating to them. Or is that normal? Is that weird? Is that just what it is? Kissing, I think, is the hardest sex act to perfect. Kissing is really, really complicated. There are a lot of moves in kissing that make it complicated. There's, you know, do you like kissing that comes together like this? Do you like kissing that comes together like this? Do, you know, do you like your tongues to dance in the middle? People never talk about that. They never really tell each other what a sensual kiss is. They kiss forever, but they don't necessarily describe it. So I would encourage you, tell me your perfect kiss. What is it, what is it like? Are we like in the middle? Am I over you? Am I inside your mouth? Do, you know, no. Is it wet? Is it dry? I mean, and many times people get together and they have opposite kissing styles. And I, I can see smiles. It's like, that's anxiety, right? It's like talking about wet kisses. Oh my God. You know, it's like, and we just, we just want to cringe and die. But that, that's part of the problem. And for a lot of people, you know, Sometimes kissing is not the most arousing act, and so they get past that and they do other things. Other people love to kiss, 
and they wish they could go back to high school and make out for two hours and feel aroused. And that would be great for them. And so some of it is the conversation. And it's delicate. When we tell our partner about our sexual preferences, we want to use as much tact as we've ever used in our life. Talking about sex is no place to be honest. Talking about sex is a place to be tactful, loving, caring, gentle. Uh, so the, I have a couple questions here. The first one, I'm just asking for a friend. It, it has nothing <laughs> to do with me in any way. Um, but you were talking earlier about this 20-minute thing. It seemed like a really long, just for my friend, it seems like a very long thing to take time. And you talked it about the lid. Yeah, it was, was 40. It kept getting longer. 20 plus 20. The time kept getting longer. <laughs> And you talked about this list thing. I, I mean, I can't relate with the list thing, but let's just say there was a guy that was a pursuer and their wife definitely had the list. The list is always there, yeah. Thing. Um, is there any tips, tricks, or strategies that could maybe, should I put the... Smash the list. Sh yeah, that could make... Delete the list. Yeah. And I'm probably... <laughs> I'm probably the only one. I mean, I, my friend's the only one here. Any, any advice in that category? Okay, so when, when you help complete the list and do the list, do it by time. Say, you've got me for two hours on Saturday. Give me your list. Give it to me in priority, and I will work for two hours on whatever is top priority on your list. That's how you help a person with their list. You don't say, I'm going to complete this, 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 and this. You give them time. So that everybody needs time on the weekends, you know. But in terms of helping your partner divest of the list so that they can, can come into the sexual moment, right? I mean, part of it is alcohol is really effective, you know. <laughs> you know, I mean, it is really a good way to let go of the list. So uh, partly maybe it's date night, you know, that's a good time. I mean, my husband said to me, he's read every book, he's listened to every podcast. He's like, you mean you think about other things when we're in bed? I'm like, honey, I'm female. I have that brain that is just always thinking, thinking, thinking. You know, yes, I wish I had enough testosterone to focus solely on the moment. And, and I can once I'm aroused. Once women get to arousal, their focus happens. So some of it is how do you get her... To, to say, okay, let's take time. Let's put pleasure on the list. Hmm. Now, because if we finish the list and we've been married or partnered for 20 years and we always finish the list, are we happy at the end of those 20 years? Have we built intimacy? Have we built a relationship that is pleasurable, that is enjoyable? You know, have we done that? Because if pleasure is not on the list, it, you know, it's not going to be fun. Mm, I like that. All right, here's a question. What's the best opening question to have a healthy talk about sex with your friends? I think this is so great because we're talking about how it's so hard to talk about it with your partner, but yet Jeff and I, especially when we have conversations with sex, even with other couples, we learn so much more as well and learn so much more. What would be a good question? Oh, wow, that's tough. Um, 
I have a set of girlfriends that. Yeah, that's tell, all we do just talk, talk about, about that. Yeah. That's all we ever do is talk about sex. So what? How do you ask it? I mean, they taught me everything verbally before I had sex. Told me how to do a blowjob, took the whole thing. I was like, "Woo, I'm prepared," but uh, it wasn't that prepared. Um, you know, but we're still talking about sex 40 years later. So we've been friends for a long time. I, I mean, I think, I think it, it's an amazing conversation. George told me that he went out for drinks and cocktails with some friends, and they had this wild conversation, men and women, about sex. He's like, Lori, they all want to talk about it. And I'm like, no kidding, George. Everybody wants to talk about it, but we're so shy. And we're so anxious. I think the, the worry is that if we let on to each other anything about, you know, it's not perfect in the bedroom, right? When our culture says everybody's having the hot sex, everybody's having great sex but us, you know, it's going to make us feel like we're failing. But everybody has sexual problems. So, I mean, I think the, the best question would be, you know, so I went to this sex talk. Can you believe this? I went to a sex talk. And, you know, she was, like, saying all this crazy stuff. And... You know, she said it like took women 45 minutes to reach orgasm with just touching. Like, what? 40 minutes. It 40 just minutes. keeps getting longer every time you talk about it. <laughs> Laura, you're killing me over here. You are killing me. I love like, how you Like, have you ever heard that? of this? <laughs> Your you husband know? clarified. Thank you. Thank you for saying this yeah, blame it all on me. Just say, I heard this woman talk. There was this crazy, crazy lady crazy. that told me, yeah. All right, so this is a good one. I think many women feel this. Um, entrepreneur, mom, kids under two, just finding their way kind of out of motherhood, in motherhood, exhausted, tired. How do you still make it feel, you know, fun, sex feel fun, exciting, especially when you're feeling so unsexual? So it, it, there is a difficulty that we all recognize. We call it the hormadonna split. When we are mothers, we have difficulty seeing ourselves sometimes as sexual beings. You know, it's like I have to be ever available to my children. That's what all good mommies do is I'm at their beck and call, at least when I'm not at work. And when I'm at work, I should be feeling guilty about not being with my children. And then when I'm with my children, I should be feeling guilty about the list at work, let alone the list in the household. So first of all, hire everything out that you possibly can. Hire out the dishes, the laundry. I literally had a nanny who came in. I left the dinner dishes, and she did them in the morning when I was working with children. You, you can't do it all. You cannot do it all and save a marriage. Take time away. Maybe, daily, maybe twice a week is crazy, but then get away for a weekend every month. You, know, you, you, you cannot have the marriage if you won't put anything into it, and you cannot put anything into the marriage if you're exhausted. It, it makes sense to me. You have to have rest. So go away Friday night, sleep all night, don't have sex. You, sleep all night. You definitely, on our podcast, you explain the 444 concept, which I think is really, it, it goes along with what you're saying. So I, I think one solution is, as a married couple or as a partnered couple with children, 
everybody gets four hours. One person gets four hours to themselves. So maybe that means, you know, I like to get up and bike and take my four hours with my buddies and go out to breakfast. That's your four hours. You come home, you watch the children, she takes four hours. No housekeeping, no grocery shopping, no listing. I mean, for, I don't care if you sit at four hours damn, for you. damn park. Go and take it all to yourself and just have some brain time, you know, or get everybody out of the house and have some nap time. Then the couple takes four hours together and leaves the children home with a babysitter. I mean, this is survival. You're only away from your children for four hours total, combined. Pardon me? This is a week, Every right? week. Every four, week. Four, four, four. Four, four, four every and week. Every week for each person. Yeah, and we talked to a lot of people after that interview we did with you, and, and we kind of encouraged them, just try two, two, two for a minute. Like, do Especially if start you're, like, breastfeeding right? and in the whole shebang, yeah. like, do two, two, two then. Okay, I have a ton of questions. By the way, we're not going to be able to get to every question. Oh, come on. There's a lot of questions, and they're really good. Not all night. Um, but, okay, this is an interesting one, I think. Um, well, the early uh, interview things we put up there, people wanted to spice things up, right? Yes. And so this is a question like, it says, if there's something I really want to try, but my partner shuts it down, it, is, it isn't open to it, what do I do? I, I think there's the, the bigger question is, like, how do we spice things up? where both of us feel comfortable, and trying new things. Okay. Having the conversation that? of something new. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, I think if it's a lockdown issue, it's something that we've talked about. I know my partner doesn't want it, is never going to want it. Um, definitely don't bring it up in the moment. Don't bring it up in the sexual moment. That, that'll kill the sexual moment because... Your partner has already said no. Um, and we have a right to say no to things we don't want to do. I mean, and that can be really disappointing. Sometimes there are ways to work that through. There are reasons for the no that can be talked through. Um, I have a client right now who's in lockdown. And the, the reality is he wants her to say certain words that sound sexy to him, a little more slang. Um, she says, it's not who I am. I don't want to do that. And the, the problem is, the more he pushes, the harder she shuts down about it. This is a pursue-withdraw problem. It's not a problem about language, although we do need to find language in common during, during the sexual act. But if it's a lockdown issue, not a good thing. If it's a new suggestion, one thing I might say is, can you back it up in half? Can you back it up by a quarter? So let's just say, you know, you want to try kink. And tying your partner up in bed sounds really cool to you. And that would be so exciting. And it's like, you know, you're really not sure how your partner is going to feel about that. And you don't, you don't know. But So maybe you suggest something in half or in quarter, which is like, what would it be like for you to hang on to some scarves that I tied to the bed's posts and not and let me just kind of sexually pleasure you for a while and and not let go of the scarves because until I tell you you can like that's in quarter you know that's an idea that is about control about being tied up or something and 
you know, pe people always think sex therapists give ideas. We don't. We encourage you to have your fantasies and make them a reality with the consent of your partner. You know, and how do you stair step into that? And if your partner is like, ooh, that, that, uh, that sounds okay. You know, I'm not tied. I don't want to be tied. That feels bad to me, but I could do that. I could psychologically tie myself and let you sexually torture me. Yes, please. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, that, there was, we went to a, another level of place there, but I, I, I want to... Um, <laughs> Was that? I, this is the South. It's a little too much. This is, Jeff's no. sweating again, guys. He's um, sweating. <laughs> let's all just on? take a deep breath all together now. It's going to be okay. No, here's my question, because this is a follow-up question to this. Because ever since our episode with you, now we've had these a ton of side conversations with people oh, that man. have had no... Uh, I'm trying to think how to explain this. Like, they they just in their sexual relationship they have not experimented much at all right and it's become to to the point where like they don't know how to talk about it they don't know know where to begin like the example you shared maybe a little further down the line in that conversation but how do you start that conversation with your partner to kind of say hey we're in this committed relationship i want to try is that a good way to say it? I want to try new things? Yeah. I, I, I would love to have some variety um, and talk about maybe what that is. I Actually, if you email me, I'll send you a list. Um, one of our episodes is on variety, and we have had literally 500 requests for that list. No kidding. At least 500. So you can listen to our... Um, George and Mai's podcast will get you the number. The is it's the list where you like cross off things you yes. might be interested yeah. in. Yeah, so you, you yeah. circle things you might be interested in and cross off things that are an absolute taboo to you. And then you, you are basically encouraged to discuss these ideas with each other. And it's just everything under the sun. And we, we do a funny, funny podcast on it. Just George and I are just silly, you know, reading the list and, you know, trying to relate to it and stuff. So. All right, this goes a little different way. What can you share about sex while grieving? Oh. Or maybe I would even say in a no, sad, in, in a hard place, uh, like depression states, yeah. and anxiety, like you're in a hard mental space. We, we, and we did do, we just did an episode on sex when grieving. George lost his mother. My co-host is George Fowler. He's a guru. I mean... He's one of the smartest therapists I know, seriously. He's, he's brilliant. And he's joined me in this partnership to talk, you know, help people resolve the sexual attachment cycle. And he lost his mother. And he said, you know, Lori, because of the podcast, I went to my wife, Kathy, and I said, this is what I need from you during this season. He said, I would have never done that if I had not been podcasting with you for two years. So again, it starts by talking about even becoming aware of your needs when you're in grief or your depression. You know, maybe it's, it could be either way. He didn't tell me which way he went, if he wanted more sex. I probably think he did. But, you know, or if he wanted to be held more or whatever. But he was explicit about his sexual needs because that, you know, that sets up your partner to know rather than your partner guessing what you need or don't need. I mean, many times we think, Oof, you know, my partner's crabby and grumpy and 
they're grieving and I just got to leave them alone. You know, they got to work this out. And they're dying inside for us to come and touch them or the other way around. I'm a toucher. You know, and maybe my partner says, you know, no, I, <laughs> I really do need to be left alone. But making that explicit would be lovely. Okay, this is, I'm going to ask two questions in one. They kind of came in at the same time, but I think they're related. And I think this is maybe a great way to close up the conversation. There, there's some questions we didn't get to, but we got through a lot of them. Um, the first, they're, they're kind of correlated. The first is, how do you have more spontaneous pop-up sex? So that so that's one. And then the other one, I'm going to read it exactly how they wrote it. How do you get out of your head and become unencumbered without alcohol? Like when you're on a diet that restricts alcohol. When you want to have sex with your sexy ass husband every night. Ooh, I like that. Apparently, apparently Andre submitted a question. (laughs) So there's that. I guess so. That was me. I'll own it. Okay, so, so the first one was spawn pop-up sex and your sexy-ass husband. Okay, um, pop-up sex, I, I mean, I, I think it does begin with a conversation. Like, you know what? Every once in a while, I just I want to grab you and go to bed, you know, or grab you and do it in the kitchen or in front of the fire or, you know, I just... Like my brain, this is what my brain would feel if you would be responsive. And to me, responsive is not always yes, but like, honey, I so would, but I'm, I'm dead meat. You know, but it, the responsiveness can be just an, a bit of enthusiasm, so I don't feel like a jerk for asking. That would really help. That'd go a long ways toward pop-up sex. I mean, I think... Usually men want pop-up sex because guess what pops up? You know, it's like, it's easy, <laughs> you know? It's easy, sorry. I'm really not like that. On the podcast, I'm very staid. Am I not? You know? Yeah. Um, I think the whiskey helped. In person, the whiskey helped. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that, I, I get it. But just remember, physiologically, your partner is not going to be aroused. So that, that is an ask that says, can we have quickie sex every once in a while? When I need it, we'll use a lubricant. Uberlube, thinks, I think that's the best, silicone. And how do I get my sexy-ass husband in bed every night? I mean, first of all, I love that she wants him. I, I hope that she's saying that. You know, maybe he's the entrepreneur who, it's not that he doesn't want sex or he doesn't want her. It's that he truly is burdened by this press and this need to get production done. And so he's not taking time for pleasure. So some of it is like, look at, we got to reprioritize. We got to have time for this. This is, this is how I connect. You know, it's the beginning of vulnerability, not that you don't ever have sex with me, but like, I look at you, you're smoking hot, baby. I want you, and you know, I want, I want us to be able to do this really a lot more frequently. I'm a sexual pursuer. This is how I connect. This is how I feel safe. So one more question I have. I mean, we've had a lot of fun talking about this, but like there's probably some people here that the sex has become a very challenging thing, right? Like they're in a place where maybe they're not having any any intimacy at all. It's become a fight every time that it is even suggested. Um, so if you were giving like the first steps for that, like, first of all, if you're here and this is part of that, I would say 
congratulations, like for stepping out and trying to have this conversation, but where do they begin to kind of come back together in some way? Yeah. First of all, you're not alone. 25% of all couples are sexless. That means having sex less than 12 times a year. 25%. You're not alone. So, I mean, I, I know it's, it's painful. And most couples honestly struggle with sex at some point in their relationship. Sex is so delicate. It's so fragile. It's such an intimate, vulnerable place in our relationship. Most couples struggle there some of the time. We get there. So you're not alone. I mean, I, I do invite you to listen to Foreplay Radio. Many people have told me it's given them language. They've seen the dynamics. It helps them learn over and over again what to do in specific circumstances. So that, I mean, it's free. Um, so I would invite that. Um, I think, again, you know, being intentional, like, how do we solve this? We got to solve this area. This is too important for us to let go or for us to delay and hope that it'll get better after the children are grown. You know, it's not. It's something that has to be worked on. And nobody tells us that sex is work. You know, and that, that, that's a, you know, we all, we remember, right? We remember moments in our lives when sex wasn't seemingly work. We don't remember the $100 we spent on dinner and the six hours that we set a time and the new outfit that we bought and the time. You know, I mean, we don't remember that as work. We remember that as fun, but we were doing intentional things to make it good. So intentionality, good place to begin, vulnerability. I love that. I think it's really good to remember that idea that, um, like the myth that we kind of become to, I don't know, believe that sex is just natural and it just happens and we should just be good at it with our partner. And I think this, even tonight, was just a really good reminder that sex is work and it's effort and it's communication and vulnerability and a lot of intentionality for it to be good and for it to be something different and um, that all of us here are struggling and have struggled in some way at some point. And that's okay and that's normal. It is normal. And it's totally normal. And it's okay. Um, so thank you for all being here. Yes. Because this was a lot. This was a here. lot. <laughs> this was all the things. All the things. And listen, if there's 40 minutes that we have, we need to get home and begin the journey. I'm just kidding. And now it's time for the breakdown. I don't know how much let's, you need to break that listen, down. Listen, let's break down this whole sex conversation right now. <laughs> there's two humans that are in love. And they find each other. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> what? That makes no sense. Exactly. No. I'll just say, I mean, I I said it at the end of that night, but that we think that sex is just so natural. There's the myth that this is so natural. And oh, it's you should easy. just be able to so figure easy. that out. Yeah. Where we got two people with two different historical sexual backgrounds with two different family dynamic backgrounds of how you talked about sex, how you communicated about sex even growing up. You've got all the layers of 
either trauma, abuse, or scenarios that could have played into it. And then you've got all your emotional things that are between you and your partner, Mm -hmm. let alone all your physical, how you feel about your body, your insecurities, like all of these things just pile onto each other. And then sex between you two should just be easy. And I just a hundred percent disagree and feel like it is something that just has to be worked on Mm. and communicated and worked on and made better and better every year. Well, she unpacked a lot of things that you need to unpack with the person that you love. Yeah. Best advice I can give you related to all this is either email this or text it to your partner, have them listen to it, and you guys go talk about it. One of the great things about having someone else say this kind of stuff and you guys both talk about it, it means that it's not like me pointing a finger at you. It's not me telling you what you need to do. It's like, oh, there's this third person that gave us something to think about and to talk about together. Yeah. Resource number one would be that. Share this with your partner. Resource number two would be... Go to Lori Watson's podcast. Yes. I mean, hear it straight from her, a certified sex therapist. And uh, her podcast is Four Play Radio. And I'm telling you, you will be able to scroll through and listen to hundreds of topics on sex that may be interesting to you or even just more related to where you are right now. What if you're postpartum? What if you're menopausal? She's what got if episodes you're, she on has everything. every topic imaginable on there. And then the third resource, I mean, if you want to get our book, that'd be awesome. We bring up some hard questions in the book about this topic and that might be an encouragement to you too. There's a lot of other stuff out there that you can go find. We want to encourage you to have this be part of your wellness journey, to have kind of conversations around sexual wellness with your partner. Pleasure is your birthright. Oh boy. Pleasure is your birthright. Yep. So there you are. Enjoy your wellness pleasure. Have a great day, everybody. That's that's another another episode episode of of Love or Work. This episode was recorded by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions.